Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Some kids are happy to snack on carrots or peppers and all sorts of veggies while other kids aren't as pleased to be forced to eat them at dinner time. Why are some kids so fussy about food? Now, it turns out there are a number of different reasons your child may turn up their nose during mealtime. Cynthia Andriani is joining me on the show today to help answer those questions and list some techniques. She has a background in food science, focusing on malnutrition, as well as a parent herself who has put her study into practice. Saying thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Cynthia. Hey, welcome, Dina. So talk about a little bit more about sort of your focus in your field of study. So you focus a lot on malnutrition and how it affects children. What got you into talk into wanting to study in that field? So actually it's not literally malnutrition, but I have interest like uh, to develop a product combating the malnutrition. Therefore, like I have some uh, background knowledge, like how nutrition can be developed, like because of the eating habits, sometimes can be like the economic factors, like the family and education stuff. So, and then it getting my interest because what the family of parenting is really playing a substantial role in the uh, for the student health statuses as well. And mm-hmm. then I know that it's not the kind of theory that everyone will learn like because parenting is not always I I need, must to be a parent like if you have a, your uh, you have another siblings or something else you can be a parent you can take care of them so it must be a long life journey and you can apply at any time actually mm-hmm. and how has that been putting some of the things that you've known some of the things that you learned into practice of your everyday life with raising your child as well? Hmm. It can be very challenging if you know the theory, but sometimes you find some hurdles on how to put things into the practice. But I can see the pattern that actually everything in the practice is not 100% as same as the theory. Sometimes you need to improve a little bit. Sometimes you need to step back. And there is no 100% suitable model or examples or theory how to do it. But you will find your own way. So it's like a journey as well for the parenting and the practical. Yeah, that's, that's so amazing because I have so many people come onto the show who are parents themselves and they always say the same thing. As much as you study it, you're never really prepared to be able to go yes. through it yourself. And only half of it probably sometimes works when it comes to raising a child. Yes, I agree with that. And then, But we need to relax and also embrace because it's part of the learning as well, right? Yeah, no, definitely. So before we get started, we love to have a little icebreaker just to warm us up before we jump straight into the questions. Yep. 
So just share the first thing that sort of comes to your mind when I ask you these different categories, different questions. So the first one is a favorite book of yours. This motivational books from Indonesian writer called Simple Truth. So mm. I read that one twice and I think it's good. And also Wise Woman Wait. So it's for every woman. It's really good book. But as a single or you already, you know, have a partner. So, yeah. Well, that sounds, they both sound really incredible. Um, what about the most recent movie you've watched? I don't have funny specific one, but I love romantic and family movie. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a favorite one? Not really. It just everything just comes out on my Netflix. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's it's really hard to find a favorite movie when Netflix sort of gives you that all these different oh, no. options. Yeah, <laughs> and also new movies coming on, and yeah, every day there's something new that pops up. Every yeah. single day, Netflix pops up with a new movie, and it it drives me crazy because I can never watch them quick enough. <laughs> exactly. Now, how about your favorite podcast? I don't have really a favorite one, but uh, I listen to a parenting as well back mm-hmm. in Indonesia and sometimes with the humor as well, like a stand-up comedy. I used to listen with my husband. Oh, wow. Do you have a favorite um, stand-up comedian? Uh, not really. I just follow what my husband just played the podcast. So. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a good way to go. <laughs> now, how about a famous role model that you have? My mom. Sim- oh wow! It's just simple. <laughs> do you have Do you have any spe- anything specific about her that makes her a role model? It's more about how she prioritizes the kids, especially for education. Mm-hmm. She tries to put education number one. Like uh, doesn't matter about the finance, doesn't matter about the struggles that she had, but she wants that the kids uh, must have education as uh, equipment and tools for the future. So something that I really value a lot from my parents, my mom especially. Wow, that that is, I can definitely see why that's a role model. I think that's something that I feel every person should be able, should be lucky enough to to face. And it is really amazing that you are able to see it that way. Yeah. And bring it onto your, in, into your life as well. Yeah, and I will learn from her and then I will apply to, to my own kids, right? Exactly. <laughs> Now, how about the most recent course that you've completed? I think I took like a writing course and then like I have kind of growth, spiritual growth courses that I joined as well. This Mm -hmm. is uh, last week, just finished, so. Oh, wow. That sounds, that sounds amazing. Did did you feel like you learned a lot from that? Yes, of course. It's good for the self-development. I mean, we need to learn every day, so. So going into the topic of today, when talking about parenting and children being a picky eater and not being able to do it, I know that everyone has a very different definition as to what parenting is, and everyone really understands parenting differently. What would your definition as to what parenting would be and what you would, what your role is as a parent? So for me, parenting is the way he, uh, how we raise nurturing the children. It can be my biological or can be adopted or it can be part of your family members. And it will cover different aspects of, of life. It can be from the 
they need love emotionally need you and then physically need something like uh, need the food and then they need the education intellectual and also social development mm-hmm. so what would your what would your advice be for expectant parents and what they would need to know in order for them to transition easily into the life of being a parent well before the being a parent you must be a, a good wife or a good partner for your spouse right so that must be the first transition that you have and then the second one with the kids because when you have a transition you need to prepare your emotional there will be a lifestyle adjustment with your time about what time you can wake up and you need to do abc the habit will be totally changed of course you need to prepare with the physical uh, change especially with the hormone and stuff when you have a pregnant and then have the baby and stuff uh, you need to be prepared with the education financial because the kids also need money and then changes in the relationship as well with your partner because it's not about all of you, two of you right it's about the family members as well involved and then the support system is one important thing that you need to have to be a parent mm-hmm. The support system, it sounds like always sounds the same answer for me. Every time I ask that question, it's always you need to have good people around you and in order to support you properly. Yeah, as a student, for example, I need the support system as well. But uh, being a parent, especially new parent, you, it's not something that's easy to read in a book. Sometimes you have a, you can learn from other people's experiences and they can give you like a just relax and then try these steps. Maybe it's good and stuff. So. It can be your family members or just the people like in the same stage of your life. Mm-hmm. And talking about picky eating and children especially, how would you define what being a picky eater is? So for me, picky eater means that the kids try to avoid some foods, uh, try to be selective or have like a particular preference with the just the same food, similar typical food. So yeah, just being selective. It's easy to <laughs> describe. It can be and us also do the same, right? Yeah, no, I, I definitely have some things that I'm just never going to touch in my life. I'm never going to eat. So how does that relate to a child's development or lack of development? Well, actually, uh, something that I learned that Picky eater or picky eating habit actually is not always given negative because it's part of normal children development. Mm-hmm. For example, if my uh, my son uh, has the growing fit at the moment and then he will try to avoid some foods and he doesn't want to eat at all sometimes. Or maybe if like uh, you introduce something new and then you will have like a defensive or preventative uh, mechanism, right? Okay, I mm-hmm. just don't want to try so it's something normal and then it can impact the health or health status when it comes to the habit happens many times so if it's just like a short time it's part of the development we agree it's part of the preventative mechanism of human being but if it happens long time until uh, there will be like a weight loss and stuff so we need to be careful with that because there might be there will be nutrition deficiency and then they really avoid uh, or maybe the exposure of foods is really limited. So we need to be uh, conscious with that. 
Mm-hmm. And in what ways are piggy eating and parenting linked to each other? It's very, I could say it's like associated very well, as we know that there are like four main types of parenting. So like you can be uh, the authoritative parenting, which is you involve the kids, or it can be you give a really freedom for the kids to do whatever they want, or you can be just like a one-way communication to the kids, or you just be careless. So the same like a picky eating habit, it can be developed because of the parenting. If the parents give more freedom, you can eat anything. So the kids will be like whatever I need, uh, I eat even though it's not healthy and it's enough or not enough from the nutritional perspective, they can do it. Or if you are very straightforward, you, you're very uh, restricted with the kids what they can eat and they cannot eat, it can result in the picky eating because they see that food can be a punishment or food can be uh it's like a negative association with the food itself but if you give more freedom with the kids like uh okay you know i've provided you with several types of food what do you want we can try to engage them a little bit so we can avoid the picky eating habits when it comes to a situation where the child is teething for example like there certain foods would really hurt or really feel like it's hurting quite a lot how do you find that when it comes to the certain parenting style for example the different you're talking about the different types of parenting styles the authoritative parenting style how would that really affect a certain situation that you find yourself in with a child uh i it's very hard when i see that uh, it's part of the kids development and it can lasting can be one week, two weeks, like my son doesn't want to eat anything. But then mm-hmm. I try to read some literatures and also see some, uh, do some readings or articles that, okay, when they, they have like a teeth development and growth, so maybe this typical food that you can give to the kids. And sometimes I need to let my son choose like what he wants to eat. It's like uh, when I was pregnant, for example, I'm very picky eater, right? And then what my mom do is actually, okay, whatever she wants, whatever, as long as she can eat, just give it. And then by the time I start to introduce something to complement the nutrition intake. For example, my son only want to eat the crackers when mm-hmm. the, the teeth growing. So the crackers just carbohydrates, right? So I'm, I need to think like, okay, what typical food like is quite hard enough, the texture, and then maybe he loves it. So I try to find the typical food like, or something like that and so just try to understand the the behavior for the picky eaters and then we try to combine it's kind of doing food selection as well we try mm. to think okay this typical sen- uh, properties of food may be suitable for the kids so let's try but never give up to try because otherwise yeah it can lead to uh, malnutrition or nutrition deficiency so that's mm-hmm. the most common strategy that we need to do. Okay. Now, what are some common signs or some common behaviors that are sort of associated with a child being a picky eater? A lot of people say that the picky eater is always uh, not good for the nutrient intake, right? But it doesn't mean always like that because it can be part of the development itself. And it can be just like for short time, temporary, and it's normal, right? 
like uh, for the baby itself, for example, they want to eat uh, from the puree and then you need to start develop the texture becoming harder. It can take time to adjust, right? So mm-hmm. it's normal as long as you are not seeing any weight loss or maybe increase uh, in the development for the kids itself. But it's always good to check in the health provider, like because I know that there is a checkup with the with uh, the weight and height, and also with the age. So we need to always check with that, and also see whether they can active actively do the activities or not. And then the second myth that I I disagree actually, picky eaters is always associated with the bad parenting uh, practice. Mm-hmm can be like that but it's not 100% true because it can be of course parenting play important role but it's not always like that come back to the core that we need to understand picky eater can be part of normal development but how parenting can handle it it's very important you see it as something bad with your parenting model or you can see okay it's normal and then I need to do something so just relax as a parent and then try to provide and do some, yeah, some alternative strategies, right? On how to tackle the picky, uh, picky eater phenomena mm-hmm. that happens. So in talking about some of the potential reasons why infants and toddlers become picky eaters, what would be some of the reasons that you have found that infants and toddlers would become picky eaters themselves? Okay, so for the first reason, if we realize it's normal of the child development, it's okay. It can be just normal. But then there are some other factors that like a trigger that behavior. The first one, bad experience with the food itself, for example, because of you eating something and then get the area or maybe uh, the taste is not good. It can be a trauma for the kid itself. Um, and the second one, mainly, is driving driven because of the parent model. So just imagine if my parent just doesn't want to eat chili and then salt something sour and salt and then it's like a normally naturally the kids also behave the same thing. And it's same if the the family the parents very picky in the in their eating habit. I believe that the kids also behave the same thing because the parent is also the model for the kids, including for the meal time, for everything. And then the last one, it can be the impact of parenting itself, especially for the authority, typical authorized parenting from the parents when the pa- the parents has the whole str- struggle uh, power for the kids. So if the parents use the food as a reward and punishment, it can lead the kids try to avoid the food because it's always negative associated. For example, uh, the parents really want the kids to finish the food, whatever the food. So the kids will have a kind of trauma and then the mealtime environment is not good. So it can be a picky hitter, either behavior as well for the kids. So that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. So... In talking about, especially when it comes to dinner time, I know that's probably like the hardest time to sort of get a child to really just sit down for a meal and eat and just have that time where you're set to eating. How do you get a child to 
eat everything on the plate and sort of what's acceptable in order for a child to even because I know I've watched a lot of shows including shows like Super Nanny and things like that where they're forcing a child to sit down at the dinner table yeah and just finish everything for like saying oh if you have this three pieces of broccoli you can leave the table how would that really work when it comes to the way that you think the parenting style should be I think to let the kids just sit down and then uh, have their own meal is a really good habit because you try to structureize uh, the meal time that eating must be on the table and then you have you must behave properly. Uh, but in a way, if you see the typical uh, comment like you you can leave this seat and after eating A B C, it's not something good because it's part of reward and punishment that I mentioned before. So instead of doing that. You can give more autonomy to the kids. For example, having family served meal like a buffet. You have rice. You have uh, like a main menu, and then some dessert, and then let the kid to pick by themselves. So you can understand. Okay, they will have more freedom to choose. They feel to be respected as well. They becoming part of the meal preparation from themselves. So by involving the kids to be like that, they will not feel pressured to and see the mealtime as a battleship for them. So that's what I think. No, yeah, I I definitely agree. I feel like for me, I think especially when you're talking about uh, table etiquette a little bit earlier, you're talking about just that time where you sit at the table and you just spend time with the family and just eat the meal. And I think that's something that definitely should be um, promoted a lot more rather than just forcing them to eat yeah, and I, I think it's like, I mean, nutrition intake is not always about the amount of food that you have, but also the variability is the most important thing. You can make sure that the amount of calorie is enough and then like a protein and carbs, fat is okay. So it doesn't always associate it with the amount, the quantity, but for me, quality over quantity. And we cannot always say that the chubby kids, for example, is always better than the small kids because I had a problem with my son as well. Like other people saying that, yeah, your son is very small and stuff. But from the whole perspective, it's fine. It's just my son cannot grow as big as others maybe. So talking about a lot of, I know that there are a lot of misconceptions that sort of come about when picky eaters. And you did mention some earlier on in the show. What are some misconceptions and even some myths that sort of come on about picky eating in infants that you would really just like to talk about and really just sort of set straight? So the first one uh, I have mentioned before, as you mentioned as well. So picky eater uh, is not always associated, meaning that not getting enough nutrition for the kids. That's the misconception. But actually that the picky eaters is not always associated with insufficient nutrition because when the when they they are picky in eating but then another nutrient can be supplied with other typical food it's still fine and we need to understand that it's not about the amount but about the nutrient composition it's enough or not and as long as there is no uh health status change and then still normal everything and the kids still do can do the activity normally so we don't need to worry about it 
And then the second bit that I'm thinking is like picky eaters are intentionally being difficult or stubborn kids. It doesn't mean to be like that because sometimes it's part of the kid's development as we have discussed as well. It can be like a, a, the typical when the kids start to change the food texture from soft like a puree into something hard or teeth development or maybe when the kid's sick uh, or maybe because of the bad experience and trauma that the kids have. So we need to see it as part of the kid's development and journey for them. And then the myth, another myth is like uh, forcing or giving a pressure for kids to eat something will solve the picky eating behavior. But actually the answer is no, because it will just worsen the condition. What we need to do actually to let them, give them more freedom, give more autonomy for them to eat what they want, and then we can change their eating habits slowly. Yeah, I think that's some cover some of the myths and misconceptions. So going in a little bit deeper and a little bit of the strategies that you can sort of recommend, how can parents establish a healthy eating habit and also a positive mealtime environment that really encourages better eating habits for both infants and to take into toddlers as well? Okay, so a lot of when it comes to the strategy, we need to keep into our mindset that the kids' autonomy with certain guidance and also rules is important. So it's good to give a freedom, but also you need to uh, equip, it, equip them with the good, reasonable rules. And how to do it? First, be a good role model for the kids itself, especially during the meal time, it can, especially dinner time. It's a really good exercise for us as a parent to practice and give an example for our son, our kids. And then have a regular family meals. It's going to be a good idea as well. It can be like you eat, dine out somewhere together and then having breakfast and dinner time together. And to create a positive mealtime atmosphere, something that I realized, try to minimize the distractions and then start to have a good interaction with the kids. Distraction can be like a screen time or maybe the kids want to play something else. So it's kind of distractions. But if we also have a good environment where while eating, for example, interaction and then have a chat with them like, okay, do you think it's good? And then do you want to try this? Just try this small portion. You know why it's good. So it's try to make them feel appreciated, feel it's very nice to have a meal time together. So try to build that one. And then over choices and autonomy uh, by having give them a taste for the new food. And then do you want to try always over and over and never give up to offer something new for them? And always be patient and persistent because it's sometimes there will be a time, of course, you feel tired of working and then the kids like just avoid the meals and very picky. Just try to, okay, be patient and then, okay, mommy is tired, but do you want to try this because it's good for your health? Because I believe that instead of giving A and B uh, or maybe black and white, it's good to give some reason why it's good. You know why the strawberry is getting red because of the high nutrients with the vitamins and stuff. It will make you stronger and then you will not get sick. So just give a simple explanation on that. <laughs> 
No, that sounds, it sounds really cool, especially seeing like how important it is to communicate why it's important to a child, not just telling them that they have to eat it, but saying why it's good for them, why it really helps them a little bit more. Because I think especially when, when they know a bit more, you learn how much they want to know about it. Yeah, I think one single, another practice that actually as a parent we can apply is involve them for the groceries. So like mm-hmm. during the groceries, okay, we can make something and then could you take it? And then after the groceries, let them to be involved in the kitchen, even though it will be very messy, but it will have a sense of belonging with the meals that they will eat, right? It will build that the sense of that or maybe involve them in the meal plannings. Like, you know what? What do you think is good to for dinner? So they will think and then have a look. Okay, I think it's good, mommy. And then so always involve them, let them uh, understand what why we are doing this, this, this. And then, yeah, freedom is good, but also give them the rules and responsibility. No, that's, it's really cool. Cause I remember when you're talking about that, I remember the first time I went to go and help my mom, I was helping her bake banana bread and we were and you still remember the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember everything. And I remember, especially remember, I think talking about how we change like banana into making it something sweet and something even more, even though it's healthy, there's still that amount that the amount of things that it can be changed into, which was it was so nice to be able to know that's how you do it and that's what it can be and what banana bread is made of and the different things. So I can definitely, when you're talking about that, it definitely bring up some childhood memories oh, of like moments where I sort of was with my mom as well and just cooking with her and baking with her. So no, I can definitely resonate a lot with that um, when it comes to how to involve your children in, yeah, in the I kitchen and yes it is it messy it be fun and engaging right <laughs> yeah it is messy but like messy can always tidy up as yeah, well agreed. yeah it it's so good now what are some of the effective ways that you know that can be handled during meal times that to create picky eaters without a negative association with food because i know you were talking about that a little bit earlier as well yeah, I think the first thing for is about try to avoid food as a reward and punishment. Like you mentioned, eat this one and then you can leave the, the dining room, for example. Mm-hmm. It's not a good way. Or maybe, okay, please do that. Then I will give you candy. So it's part of the reward and punishment as well, right? So mm-hmm. food is not a reward and punishment because it will lead them to associate the food with uh, desired and undesired behaviors and we want to avoid the negative association right and then what i think with the authoritative parenting principles we can establish the routine and structure for the kids to have a meals and then it's common to set regular meal and snack times as well and always have quiet i mean it's good to have food selection as well so even though it's only limited food choices but if we can over, okay, do you want to have chicken or egg? They can start to think, okay, and they will feel like, okay, I, yeah, my parents allow me to choose. So it's something that they really appreciate about it. And be mindful of the pressure. Of course, pressure, sometimes it's good to make them to be disciplined and then to have the habit. 
but be mindful if we are not really mindful with the pressure the pressure itself can lead to the negative things and they will think that okay the mom is just push me it's only one way communication i don't have any freedom and they just push push and push and then over the exposure and encouragement like i mentioned before with the uh, involve them in the meal planning in the preparation like also in the cooking activities and stuff so it will make them uh it can handle the mealtime battles and it's not becoming the mealtime battles but it can be a mealtime fun activities so it can be the time that they are longing for and waiting for it that's it's really cool because like i think i've seen a lot of youtubers and especially youtube families and the way that they and a couple of them the way that i've seen them when you're talking about reward and punishment they have the system where they lock the pantry door for example as a and they set a time as to okay you can't eat after this time you can't snack after this time and they set that limit but they also sort of talk about the reward of okay we can go out and get ice cream if you do this and this and this by the end of the week and if you follow through with that and how does that like just sort of going off the bat how does that really affect the way that children see food in the future use as well um, i i i can see that like what you're saying it can be part of food as a reward and punishment but we need to see from how to say if it's like a, for the good habit for example okay you can have an ice cream if you finish the homework like once ice cream per week it's something good not really press the kids right mm -hmm. but if we uh the culture of reward and punishment is really like okay just finish it and then you will not get any explanation why we need to finish it but if we just say okay if you do the homework and you you behave properly at school and then we can have once ice cream per week and then they will be more excited i don't see it as something bad impact mm -hmm. for the picky eater even they can see it as okay i will be more motivated to do something good but uh in that another way if we uh it's very hard actually to differentiate between <laughs> between the heart and punishment some sometimes can be a little good things but sometimes it can be just like a lead to the picky eater but just be mindful that if we want to apply the reward and punishment it must be something that can lead them to have a positive uh positive impacts and also they understand why we are doing this for example we only allow one ice cream per week it's because we know it's sugar and then you can have like a one candy because of what or you cannot eat that one because after that it's like a bedtime mm -hmm. so understanding is important even though you apply reward and punishment okay now i think especially when it comes to parents who do feel stressed and even frustrated what advice do you have for those parents when it comes to their child's the inability to sort of really eat everything and go ahead and just eat anything that the parents tell them to eat okay so i think as a parent we need to reframe our perspective first about the eating habit like uh 
eating means that we need to make sure that the daily in nutrient intake for the kids is sufficient, right? So when we behave differently, becoming picky eaters, we need to investigate first whether it's just part of the children development or it's something can lead to bad drawbacks, right? So reframe first our perspective and focus on the big picture first. Like uh, we want the because the main uh, the main focus is to provide sufficient nutrition for the kids. It's part of the parenting. So when we see that as a bigger picture, we know how to handle the behavior that our kids have and try to avoid power struggle because if you are very um, like a monitor and also take control of your kids, it's not really good as well. So just try to involve a kid as well. And then seek support and guidance if you have some problems and then challenges with the to handle the kids. Try to contact with your mom, especially because your mom already in that stage before or maybe with the, your peers in the same stage of your life or get me from the professional if it's really needed. <clears throat> but okay. I think be relaxed because it's not always bad, right? With the picky eater or stuff. It's just a normal and then give time for them to adapt and for you, for us as well, to think how to strategically handle that problem. I think like what you mentioned a little bit earlier, I think really early on the show when you talk about that we're picky eaters ourselves, like even as adults, we don't eat everything. There are certain things that we don't eat. And so it's definitely normal for children yeah, to think, sort of act yeah, that way. But, but the thing is like uh, as, as an adult, we are more major, right? Even though we are picky eaters, we know like, okay, I cannot eat rice, but I know I need to eat something else. But as a kid, sometimes they, they don't have any options or they are not really take care of themselves. So that's the difference. Yeah, no, yeah the, the, that is definitely a huge difference. So what are some of the practical tips and strategies that parents can sort of implement right now, straight after listening to this, that helps their picky eater children develop a more balanced diet? First, try to introduce the food, a lot of foods, because I'm food scientist. Uh, you can just involve them with the sensory play by like, a, let's make something together. And then when they are eating, not feeding them, but, but let them eat, taste, uh, and then touch or maybe smell the food and stuff. And then make a really good mealtime environment, like a, with a good chit chat or with the something try to appreciate them as well like okay you are great because you can eat the uh, fruits and it's the new type of food that you can eat today so try to build that culture as well and then in terms of uh, feeding practice if you try to introduce something new for the kids maybe it's better if you have to pair them with some with a common food that they usually have in their meal time and then try to be creative to process the food in another shape, appearance, form, or yeah, different types of food. Uh, also involve them in the meal prep, in the cooking, and also with the food preparation as well, including yeah. how much they want to eat. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that idea, especially when you sort of set the mealtime mode where you're just, just sort of focused on eating 
you're not really showing a lot of distractions of everyone doing everything else. So having that time where they know, okay, this is the time where they sit down and eat. This is the time where everyone sort of gets together. Is that sort of helping on their realization that it is something that is going to be happen every day, that it is part of the routine? Yes, I think it's good to feel like uh, we build the routine to have meal time together or like uh, usually it's easy to have a dinner time together. Like everyone just shut off the phone and then focus with the meals and stuff. And then we can talk about the food. And then even though it's like, we, we need to be thankful with the food and then why it's good. So because the kids love explanation, they, they love the storytelling, right? So we can do the storytelling with the food and make them less picky to it because they know the story behind it. And just maybe just start with, the, you know what? If you love one single rice, you know how how the farmers so we can like uh, give them this short background like how important the food itself yeah no that's that's really cool i never thought about it that way just sort of explaining each each little element I, I and still talking remember, about like, it like uh, as an asian sometimes our mom yeah. tell us like you know the the rice will cry because you are not just finished it <laughs> i don't know if it's covered but yeah back in my country my mom always <laughs> saying something like that no, I think I remember bread crust being able to grow your hair curly oh, and have okay. curly hair. It was something that I always was taught and I just I believed it up until I was a early teens, I think. And it was it was so funny the things that you remember when associated with food as well. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going into the practice part of our show. We're talking about a practice that you do yourself. What is a practice that you do to motivate yourself to have a balance for autonomy? Well, uh, in the practice, actually, at the beginning, when I have my son as a baby, it's very hard to give them, uh, give him autonomy because it's always one way communication. I need to feed him and everything. He just need to receive. But there will be a certain period of time that for now, my son is already one year old that he can choose at least, for example, I will over him. Do you want to taste it? For example, I have bread. I just give like a small piece for my son. And then, okay, if he likes it, he will ask more. So it's part of autonomy as well. And then I have a cracker. So I will let him to hold the crackers by himself. I think it's common for the baby since like eight months old or something else. But it's part of autonomy that we can teach our kids since the beginning. But once they're getting bigger and bigger, we can give more autonomy and responsibilities, including you can choose what you want to eat and how much. Maybe just like a give some limited offer for food selections and then how much they need to de define and then to finish the meals because they are who responsible to pick the food, right? Yeah. No, I, I think that's just a great idea, especially when you're talking about the senses as well and how important senses are. Um, yeah, the sensory place. Yeah, yeah, how important they are to just feel each of the things that you eat and feel everything. And I know that there are going to be some good things that sort of come about the practice, but what are some of the negatives and what are some of the challenges that sort of take place when you're just going through the practice of giving a child options? It will be hard at the beginning because if you just give uh, the food and then feeding him or them, 
uh, they will just accept, 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 right? But when you uh, apply this practice, sometimes it will be hard for them because there will be some adjustment and maybe they will eat less compared to what we expect. It's always something like that. But it's part of the journey because otherwise uh, he will just, depending on you, like just follow what you give to him and stuff. So I could say the the bad effect will be there will be some less appetite at the beginning and also less food intake at the beginning, but it's just temporary. Mm-hmm. And then once uh, our kids used to it, it's really just easy. So thank you so much for answering those practices, Cynthia. We're going to dive straight into the open mic section. This is honestly my one of my favorite parts because it gets to... It gets to have the guests to talk about anything that they're passionate about or anything that they want to share with the audience. So feel free in the last minute or so, just go ahead and share something that you would love to tell the audience or even just promote to the audience. Okay. Well, as you know that Adina has already mentioned that I'm studying physics and then my background is food science. And then I know it's something, the whole new world for me. and. I believe it also happens with the parenting. So um, every day is learning. It's long time journey as well for me. Like even though your kids already has a kids, you need to take care of them sometimes or they will just put it with you and then just play with the grandma. <laughs> so yeah, it's very nice with the parenting because I love kids as well. Like I do some volunteering with the kids in the church. Like uh, I can see how they develop and they behave differently. So it's very amazing. Every kid's also different, so don't worry that much because the kids always kids. And then what we need to do is as a parent, we try our best to provide them with everything. Uh, and also regarding my passion, I think actually I why I love kids because I believe that it's kind of, we invest something for our future, for the future generation actually, when we try can raise the good kid and everything so we plan the good value for them so and eating habit is just part of them so as i mentioned it can be emotionally support it can be physical support including the food the meals intellectually social and everything so as i learned from the physics there is no flow without pressure and stress and as a, as a parent i believe there will be a lot of pressure and stress but let it flow I love that final piece of advice, just sort of not putting so much pressure on a parent to be the perfect parent, be the Or let parent the pressure flow ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think I think we always will feel pressure no matter what, no matter in what situation, whether it's in our life, our career, our parenting, I think we'll always feel pressure for something, but just not, I think I love the advice of just not letting it get to us that much or just understanding that. The pressure will always be there no matter what. It's There's some kind of comfort in it, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, because there will be no flow, right? If we have no pressure and stress as well. So. Exactly. It's kind of motivating as well. Like you're, It's pushing you to do even better. It's pushing you to find other ways for it to work. And I love that. So thank you so much, Cynthia, for joining me on the show today and talking about being a picky eater and using your expertise as a food scientist in order to talk about us, talk about picky eating, and as well using your son as an example for that as well. 
Um, if there is a way that audience members would like to get into contact with you to talk about something that I've missed or something that they would like to know a little bit further from what we mentioned today, how would be the best way to for an audience to contact you? I think you can reach me out through Instagram, my social media, Ruth okay. Cynthia A, and then or just find me in LinkedIn is still fine because for me sharing is scary. It's good to have a lot of people around us that work. Uh, yeah. Well, that's perfect. Well, I'll definitely have those links down below, both your Instagram and to your LinkedIn, just for easy access for audiences, to audience members to come and email you or let you know, um, even ask your expertise, which is perfect. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you all in the next episode. You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights Podcast. Produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.